0: Right, guys so welcome to another episode of midnight news i'm the host matei lanae and today i have a very special guest it is the denzel alexander <laughs> 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 and we are yes insta friends from like five years ago pretty crazy yeah. but so we're meeting in real life right now not real life but digitally
1: virtual life <laughs> <Yeah>.
0: <laughs> yes all right then so uh do you just kind of want to start off by introducing yourself and telling us all a little bit about what you do and who you are
1: okay cool hey everyone i am denzel alexander i am from memphis Tennessee. uh born and raised in the area between here and um 20 minutes outside of memphis and point lake mississippi um Right now, I am a senior creative mass media major at University of Memphis. I'm graduating in August, so very excited about that. And so, what I'm pursuing right now is um, just being an overall content creator, whether it's photos, whether it's blogging, um, marketing, illustrations—kind of do it all. So, yeah, oh, that's, that's so awesome. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much it. I'm just a guy who stays busy.
0: No, for sure. I follow your creative account as well, and yeah. your illustrations are so awesome. And I think uh, since quarantine you. hit, I've noticed you've been posting more and more. I'm like, yes, uh-huh.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's fun. It's fun. It's you get to create stuff that people are going to use, like in their daily lives and their homes, and giving them to gifts for family. So it's nice to see. I'm enjoying it so far.
0: For sure, that's so awesome. Yeah. Well, also, congrats on almost being done with school. That's exciting.
1: Thank you. I'm so excited to have <laughs> be done. I'll go back in a year for grad school, but I'm I'm glad to finally have a break. It's very much needed.
0: Oh, for sure, for yeah. sure. So you grew up in Memphis area. Yes. So, what was that like for you growing up?
1: Memphis is it's own place. It's hard to describe. You just have to experience it. It's full of culture, people that live in Memphis love Memphis. We breathe Memphis and everything about the city. And it's also kind of like a big meme. Like we have our own language. Everyone here are just huge dorks. It's just fun. It's a city where everyone loves everyone. And there's a lot of unity here. So it was, It was a great city to grow up in. I'll say that.
0: That's awesome. So it's pretty, is it pretty diverse then?
1: Yeah, Memphis is a pretty diverse uh, city. It's predominantly black, but we do um, have areas where we have um, Latinos, Hispanics, excuse me if I'm saying any verbiage wrong, please don't cancel me. (laughs) (laughs) We have a big demographic of Latinos. We have a big Asian community here as well, uh, Middle Eastern, Indian, so... Yeah, Memphis is a pretty diverse area. If you come and hang out for a week, you'll see any and everyone. So,
0: Oh, I had no was, idea. That's so yeah.
1: cool. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Very cool. <laughs> so going off of that, then, just kind of what did your education look like growing up? Did you go to public school, private school?
1: Uh, so I went to public school all of my life. Um, I started out in Memphis City Schools, actually. But the area that my parents lived in when I was a child in Memphis didn't have the best school system, so we moved to North Mississippi, and I went to South Haven um, Elementary and Middle School, and then transferred to Horn Lake, which is also in um, Desoto County in Mississippi, and that's kind of where I got my education. And it was a great school. Like I like I said, I was always around a diverse group of people. It's was a pretty good education, especially for Mississippi, so I can probably say that I was from that area and got my education from Mississippi, but at the same time, as I grew older, I did notice that there were things in the education system that other people got that my school didn't have or had lack of resources of, so it made up for it in college, I'll say that much.
0: Okay, and then... So you did college then where? and
1: <laughs> College. Ooh, let's talk about it. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> Give me the tea. So, yeah, it's some tea. So I started out um, in 2012 because that's when I graduated high school. Kind of old. Um, I started off at Northwest Community College in Mississippi. And I went to community college because at the time I was an athlete, uh, cheered for two years, and um, – got a full scholarship. So I decided to go where I could get more skills before I went to a four year. So my college was pretty much based around sports when I first went and Denzel had a little too much fun and party, So he took a couple of years off and then I came back to get some more credits at Northwest, which was a great school. I loved it. I felt like I had a real college experience, even though it was a community college. And um, once I build up my GPA and Got my mind right and everything subtle. I attended the University of Memphis. Go Tigers, go. And <laughs> I've been there for the past four years and sadly graduated, but happy as well.
0: No, that's awesome. Uh, it sounds yeah. like you worked really hard, so that's great.
1: <laughs> yeah, I've definitely had trial and errors, but it was all worth it. I'm proud of my story.
0: For sure. So taking a look then uh And talking about how growing up and everything, how was your family life like growing up?
1: Family life, it was pretty normal, you know. Uh, It was my mother, my stepfather, my brother, our immediate families, my aunts and stuff. So it was pretty good. We were all close. Um, I will say that the type of family that I always envisioned in my head, maybe it was just me being dramatic, was totally different from what my family actually was. I'm a person who is very loving and affectionate and like to tell people how proud I am, whereas my family is more reserved on those types of things. So I kind of felt a little, I would say not supported as much, but then I realized later that they did support me. It was just a different way of showing it. But I mean, family life was really good and, I also have a lot of extended family and black families. Um, your whole family is your family. You know everyone. So I grew up every Sunday going over one of our grandmothers or great-grandmother's house and hanging out with all 25 of my cousins and 30 other relatives. <laughs> so it was nice to have a big family to grow up with.
0: For sure. Do you guys have any cool family traditions or anything?
1: Ooh, cool family traditions. Uh... So we used to have a couple, they've kind of broken off, but every Thanksgiving, I have an aunt named Jean, and we would go to her house at night, the whole family, there would be like 50 people in this two to three bedroom house hanging out. And we would go there, um, all of the kids would be in the back room, um, just watching TV, and we would always watch The Grinch on Thanksgiving, <laughs> and then sneak in and hang out with the adults and yell... And play and dance and that was a lot of fun and another tradition we had is um, another one of my grandmother's sisters um donna Mae. she has a labor day party every year that we do at her house so it's nice to have those traditions to always go to so.
0: oh that those sounds were- so fun
1: <laughs> yeah it was fun <laughs> it was a lot of fun i'm very appreciative
0: of it. for sure and then talking a little bit about your parents and your grandparents you know you mentioned they were a little more on the reserve side so do you think that hardships may have played a part in any of that or their upbringing or anything?
1: I definitely think so. Um, my grandmother grew up around seeing like the civil rights era and dealing with everything that happened so I feel like in that time they had to be a little bit more structured and tough and not show their sympathy and feelings as much because it was a sign of weakness and I think that played through generations of the family and there were times where they would soften up but I definitely think those were hardships that they faced that passed down to my parents and then when it got to me I'm like whoa this is not how I am why are you guys like this and it took a long time for me to realize everything that they've been through with uh, society and how they were viewed and how they were raised and even education and lack of education and lack of job opportunities. So it was definitely a learning experience. And I had to realize when I got older that I am a lot better off than them, but I still need to remember where they came from and that it is a part of my family and my family's legacy. And I will try to better that for the future generations of our family.
0: Oh, that's a great outlook.
1: Yeah.
0: (laughs) So you personally, have you ever had any, like, daily common occurrences that you find to be particularly offensive or racist or had any experience stand out?
1: Oh, yes. I am a black man living in Tennessee and Mississippi, of course. Um, And I think a lot of it had to do with more of ignorance and how people were raised in the area rather than them being racist. My view on racism is you have to have a lot of resources and you have to have a lot of facts to back up to call someone racist. So a lot of the people that I dealt with who would say like the N word or make black jokes or just say things that were demeaning, they heard this from their family. So it was kind of our job to like tell them like, hey, this isn't okay. And this is why. And then we would decide whether if they listened or not who they were as a person. But I've definitely faced a lot of it in my lifetime here. And a lot of it, I think I was blinded to for a long time. Okay.
0: So I've never been to the South, really. What is the culture like down there?
1: So the South is full of hospitality. But it's also hospitality covered in deep issues so everyone gets along everyone says yes ma'am no ma'am yes sir no sir everyone loves to take care of each other but we all have views that may not align up and we cover it up due to everything that's happened in the south before so it's a lot of old times that are still hasn't been excuse me It's a lot of old issues that still haven't been resolved, but we try to do the best that we can with helping each other understand our cultures and what's happening and all of that stuff. So, yeah, the South, it definitely needs a lot of work, but I will say I was glad that I grew up here. It helped me a lot and it made me the person that I am today.
0: Oh, that's awesome. Okay. Well, in terms of, you know, microaggressions and racism, are there ways we can better phrase things or things just you know to be aware of how can we improve those encounters?
1: I think all that we can do is before we label everything as racism we have to label it more as ignorance and maybe like prejudice ways because I mean even in the past week there's I've had tons of friends who don't look like me that reached out and was like, hey, I remember saying this to you and I didn't realize what it was. And I'm so sorry for that. Even yesterday, one of my best friends reached out to me and sent me this long text. And I was like, dude, I don't even remember this. We've never had that problem. But I think it's just a thing where we have to be open to having difficult conversations, even if it's awkward and uncomfortable, because if we don't do that, things will just stay the same. Or get worse right, I think the, I think that's the best way to fight racism and microaggressions
0: so in the moment, um, I know when people can say offensive things, it can just kind of catch people off guard or something. Is there a good way to let someone know in that moment that what they're saying could be taken offensively, or how do you handle those situations
1: honestly. You just have to give it to them straight, Honestly, I had this problem with um, an associate recently where they said something that was highly offensive. And I have spoken to them before about this thing that they said. And it just gets to a point where you have to, even if it makes you uncomfortable, you just have to say, like, hey, this is wrong. This is the history behind it. I mean, I know you have your feelings, but this is how it affects me or my community or this is how it shapes america and i would like you to be on the better side and think more highly than to stoop to those levels so i think it's just having those awkward and uncomfortable conversations
0: okay good to know good to know and you're currently an interracial relationship with miss chloe she looks awesome um (laughs) so like she she looks just a ball of fun um just based on what I've seen from your posts. But (laughs) can you, well, first of all, I guess, how did you guys meet?
1: Okay, so um, first off, don't give her too much credit. It'll go to her (laughs) head. (laughs) Baby, if you're listening, I'm sorry. I love you. Um, So, yeah, Chloe and I met in a unique situation. So, like I said, I cheered in high school and college. And I also cheered for All-Star team while I was in college, which Chloe was a part of. And so we end up cheering on the same team. um, And we kind of had similar interests, but never really thought anything about it. And one day she asked me to make her an all-time low CD. And I was like, sure, I'll (laughs) burn you a copy. And so from there, we just started talking and hit it off. And that's how we met. And it's been almost eight years now. Wow. Congrats to you guys. Thank you. Thank you. It's so weird. Time has gone by so fast, it doesn't feel like it was that long ago. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's fun. It's fun.
0: Can you speak a little bit, to, I guess, about your experience with being with Chloe, interracially, dating, marriage, all of that?
1: Yeah, so um, dating someone who doesn't look like you in this time, it's or being in a relationship in general, it's hard. There's a lot of things that you both have to face and you have to realize there's a history behind like both of your communities but luckily we both have an understanding and can talk about things in mature ways so it doesn't affect us as much but at the same time it does like we've had very open conversations early on about racism and like the things we will face because we aren't the same race especially being in the south we've had open conversations about me being a black man and what i will face being with her or even on my own and she has to realize that and we've even started talking about like issues our children may face and being in an interracial relationship you just have to realize you're not only with that person you're with their history you're with their family you're with their community you're with everything that is them and it's your job to support them. If you want to be with them and you love them, you have to be behind them 100%. And I'm just so lucky that I found a person that completely understands everything. So, And I know that always isn't the case for other peoples and they have hardships, but I, if you want to make it work, you can, especially now in time because, I mean, Racial tensions are at like the highest stake that they've ever been, I believe. And a lot of people are, especially new interracial relationships, they're facing discrimination. They may want to give up, but if you want to make it work, you can. It's just, it's not easy. It's not easy at all, trust me. But it's, it's if you find someone that you love, it's worth it.
0: Yeah. So do you have any advice for people that might be navigating that and how to approach those conversations, how to maybe bring it up, what to say, what to ask?
1: Um, I feel like, especially now in age, if you are pursuing someone who is different from you, you have to be willing to learn their culture. You have to be willing to learn their history and you have to have those tough conversations head on so you'll know what you're getting yourself into. Luckily, it kind of we were both kind of naive because we were kids, so luckily we didn't have to do that early on, but by the time that it was time to have those difficult conversations, we were both mature and kind of knew what each other thought, so it was a lot easier to have, but I think it's just biting the bullet and figuring out early on what that person believes, what they support, and how you're going to tackle this together because it's not always going to be easy.
0: Oh, that's so encouraging. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, are there any, like, instances in particular that maybe stand out to you guys or any hardships or challenges that being in an interracial relationship has presented to you guys?
1: Um, I think it's the labeling and the um the labeling and kind of the side eyes in the south like instantly like when people find them with Chloe, they're like oh you only like white women or oh she only dates black guys and like, that may not only be the case like and it's tiring and it's exhausting to hear those things where people think of uh, me sometimes it's less of a black man for being with a white woman or think of her is less of a white woman than being for being with me. And it's hard. That's something that we face our whole relationship. So that's one thing that I can say has bothered us the most. Luckily we've kind of gotten used to it and we know how to combat it and shake it off. So that's a good thing. But I think the biggest thing now is how we're going to raise our kids, especially with them being biracial and what they will identify as what they will face, like the struggles they'll have in life. So that's our next hardship that we're learning to tackle early on.
0: Okay. That's awesome that you guys are kind of aware of that at the forefront of everything. Mm -hmm. What challenges do you kind of anticipate that your children might run into?
1: Um, With them being both black and white, I am very nervous about them having an identity crisis. Mm -hmm. Because I have noticed with some of my biracial friends that they don't, they feel like they have to pick a side a lot of the times. Like, you're black, but you're not black enough, or you're white, but you're still black. And I think that's a huge thing that we're going to have to tackle, and we're going to have to sit down and tell them, like, hey, you're not just this, you're not just that, but you are both. This is what you have to offer to the world. And. Don't let anyone tell you that you're less than anything. You can be whatever you want to be. So I think that's my biggest concern as a person who wants children.
0: Oh, it sounds like you guys are going to raise your children with so much love. That's amazing.
1: Definitely. definitely. (laughs) That's one thing I've always wanted was someone to always tell me, like, they're proud of me and how much they love me and to be very affectionate. So I will definitely be that dad. (laughs) Oh. oh, sorry.
0: I'm excited for when that pops up on my feed someday.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I will be too.
0: <laughs> so, you've been so active on Instagram and speaking your voice, using your voice, which has been awesome to follow. And Thank it's definitely you. educated me as well and, whoa, all of your followers. <laughs> um, so, how are you feeling with the Black Lives Matter movement going on right now? That's a loaded question.
1: I'm sorry. It's, no, it's <laughs> but, I'm sure you've just saw the deep breath that I took. <laughs> um, it's a bittersweet thing because this is something that's been going on for a long time, but it's very forefront and in your face right now. And so it's hard for me to see people that look like me deal with so much based on only their skin color. Like, it's really hard. It's so hard to deal with, like, because George Floyd, Trayvon Martin, Michael Brown, like, all of these people could have been me. And it's very hard to watch. But however, I think with the circumstance that we just had with George Floyd, I feel like people as a whole are kind of fed up and are protesting for those injustices and trying to make the world a better place. And fighting to do what's right in America. I hate that it took so long, but it's nice to see that. But however, it is still hard to do especially with police brutality still happening in the streets right now as we're protesting, as we're marching, or as we're fighting for justices. We're still facing those problems. So it's hard to still watch, but there's a little bit of hope behind it.
0: Oh, for sure. I feel like the conversation has just been magnified. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Like, like everyone's talking about it now. It's great. Even though, like, it's hard, I feel like so many of the people that I follow are talking about it, which is awesome. And racism seemed to have been swept under the rug. And it's disappointing that only just now we're really talking about it.
1: Yeah, It is. And it's very disappointing because America was founded on immigrants and people who look different. And so it's hard to face racism when we live in the most diverse area in the world. So, but it's good to see that people are finding it. It's good to see that people that look like you are batting for us and we're batting for you too, because I know you face a lot too, being an Asian American woman. And seeing our Latino brothers and sisters and Hispanic brothers and sisters, it's just nice to see people coming together rather than tearing each other apart. So For sure. Nice.
0: There's a cool, like, wave of unity as well. Like, yeah. yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Like, why couldn't this have been, like, <laughs> 50 or 60 years ago? We would have been way better off. But okay.
0: <laughs> so but speaking of positivity, what is – Something positive that you're really hoping that is a result of this movement?
1: I really hope people who, I've been seeing it. So people who really don't understand the movement of Black Lives Matter and while we say it, I feel like they're starting to understand. I feel like there's starting to be a change in the outcome and people are like, okay, I get it. I don't face these hardships, but they do. And I have to stand up for them because they're a big part of my community as well. They're a big part of my America. So that's the one positive thing that's coming out of this. It feels like people are really trying to understand.
0: So when people, you know, come back with the all lives matter, what is the (laughs) best way to kind of enter that conversation?
1: So um, I found... A quote maybe about a year ago, and I've been using it ever since when people say all ops matter. So I go to them and I say, Okay, I just got hit by a bus and I'm bleeding and I need help immediately. And you got us last year, but you recovered, but you still got hit by that bus. We're not focusing on you because you're okay we 're focusing on me right now because that's what needs to be taken care of now, and I feel like those type of analogies've been helping people out a lot and have made things for me a lot easier when I find peers and people who aren't peers come to me and say all lives matter like because I just actually attended a protest in um, a little outside of Memphis in Cargieville, Tennessee. Um, there was a restaurant. Um, where my friend faced a racial problem and we had a protest outside of there and they just kept chanting All Lives Matters at us and still one of their protesters came over and had a talk with us. They didn't understand. So I think making those analogies and really explaining what Black Lives Matters means, I feel like that'll help people a lot.
0: That's a great analogy. I haven't heard that one yet. Oh. And that's the first one I've heard that actually acknowledges their past hurt as well so that's very yeah. awesome yeah
1: yeah I think that's the way to do it you have to like show people like yes we know you matter yes we know that all lives do matter however these people aren't facing these injustices right now so until this set of lives matter all lives don't actually matter you know? so you just have to understand that it's not putting anyone down or tearing down any group. We're just focusing on one group who's hurt and needs that healing and needs that love and support. So I think Absolutely. that's the way we should go about it.
0: For sure. So given that it's kind of a movement and it's already starting to dwindle down a little on social, how can we keep the momentum going? Even if we're not posting about it, how can we still support the Black community?
1: Um, I've been seeing it a lot on Instagram and Twitter and social media this week. It has been dwindling down, but I think it's supporting people who don't look like you, who are doing great things. Like There has been influencers posting just like Black creators and they're like, hey, these people are awesome. I've never talked about them, but now is the time because they deserve just as much as I have. I think it's recognizing the privilege that some of us have, even me, and sometimes taking a step back and using my privilege to get to give to others, excuse me. So I think that's the best way to do it. And I think constantly like focusing on things to make our America a better America is good too. Like constantly posting quotes, constantly talking about communities that are fighting for things that aren't okay, and just supporting them.
0: Okay, for sure. And uh, sorry, just. I just thought of this, but just jumping back to, you know, you're, you're a content creator, you're an illustrator, you're all of these awesome things. Uh, have you ever felt like you've experienced racism in terms of your work, your creation, all of that?
1: Um, I won't say that I've experienced racism through it, but I will say I feel like it's not taken as serious. Okay. Because there's so many people who are in the same industry that have a little more privilege and they're automatically going to have more followers or have more engagement. So I have felt like that some of my work has been diminished, that it's been just as good as others. So I won't say racism, but I will say I felt like it hasn't been supported as much, but you just have to believe in yourself. Like at the end of the day, I'm doing this for a reason. I, can help one person or influence one person, then I've done my job.
0: I love that. You're so positive. That's actually like one <laughs> of the things that draws me most to your feed. You're just so positive.
1: <laughs> I appreciate that. It's funny because I always think of myself as a person who who's not negative, but like is very like eh or always likes to complain about something. That was actually one of my New Year's resolutions was to not complain so much because I love complaining and it's been better. So for you to say that you feel like I'm a positive person, that really helps and shows that I've been working a little bit harder on what I focused on. So thank you for that. <laughs> no.
0: Yeah Fish, I feel like you you tell it how it is, but you're just you like end it with a positive spin, which is yeah. awesome. <laughs>
1: thank you. Thank you. That's what I'm going for. I'll take it.
0: <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> And do you have any just final thoughts or anything you want to share?
1: Um, I just say um, not only for Black Lives, but for everyone who may be facing a hardship. Just take care of people that you care about. Like, try to understand um, what they're facing, what they may go through, because there's problems that you may have that I may not understand. And it's just having difficult conversations and being positive and trying to understand I feel like that's what's going to help us as a whole It's just listening to each other supporting each other and not arguing like, that's the only thing we can do is support each other
0: absolutely well thank mm-hmm. you for sharing and for all your insights today
1: thank where, you for
0: having me oh, of course <laughs> where can we find you on the gram on your site or anything where can we support you
1: Okay, so um, all of my social medias are at Denzel, D-E-N-Z-E-L-J-Alexander. It's just my name. And my website right now is uh, DenzelAlexander.weebly.com because it's under construction. So DenzelAlexander.com will be back up soon.
0: Perfect. I'm excited to see all the things you create the rest of the year and in the years to come. And I wish you and Chloe all the best. and. Thank you so much.
1: Thank you for having me. And thank you for (laughs) always being so supportive as well. Love your content and everything you're doing as well.
0: Thank you. Thank you.